Welcome into the Leadership Legacy Podcast, where we interview influential leaders, learn the why, and how they turn their passions into progress that set them on the path to leaving their legacy. privilege and the honor of sitting with Kathy Powell of State Farm Insurance. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for asking. So you established this business in 2004? 2004, yes. We're about to have our 14-year anniversary. I can't believe it. That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your story. Where did you grow up? Uh, maybe where did the love of Auburn come from or the, the love of serving people come from? Okay, great. Well, I actually am originally from Tennessee, so a little town called Tullahoma, Tennessee. Um, my husband jokes it's like the most well-known small town ever. I think it's because <laughs> it's a unique name. Folks uh-huh. are like, oh. But um, it's halfway between Nashville and Chattanooga, so southern, southern middle Tennessee. But I did not come from an Auburn family, which is kind of a unique thing. Auburn is such a lifeblood type of a, a love. Graduated or was come, about to graduate high school and kind of decided I would apply to five schools and always being a goal setter. I had applied to four and Auburn sent me my application already filled out where all I had to do was sign it. And I had some friends that liked it. So I was like, sure, you know, hit my goal number five. Uh, and then got invited to come down for a scholarship weekend and just, you know, like everyone else fell in love with it because I loved with, as a student, the fact that it was a large school and would have lots of opportunities, but it was wrapped mm-hmm. in this beautiful, quaint, small town wrapper. Because, yeah. uh, you know, every high school teacher tells you you're going to be a number or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, it felt right. So, came, fell in love, decided I was going to come. And, um, you know, the rest is history. I did leave after I graduated for a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, but we're glad, I'm glad to be back here in God's country. Yeah, I think everybody, everybody that I've talked to that's graduated from Auburn, when they leave, they do everything they can to get back. Right. And uh, you kind of see that now in this in this city. The city's growing like crazy. It is. It is. You know, honestly, one of the main reasons when we found out we could move back uh, to come and open the agency, and we were so excited, one of my biggest uh, concerns, we didn't have children at the time, but I was like, well, what if we have children? They may not want to go to Auburn. It was mm-hmm. such a, you know, important and wonderful place for myself as well as my husband. Um, but yet I went to school five hours away and I understand why some children want to kind of spread their wings and yeah. fly, but, um, you know, right as of right now, they both want to go to Auburn. So we're, we're, we're hoping that's still going to be the case, you know, <laughs> yeah. many years down the road. Yeah. Well, how did you, how did you get this job? How did you decide that you wanted to go into the insurance business? Well, unlike, again, insurance is kind of like Auburn and the fact that, it's more of a familial love, like generationally people get into insurance and you'll see families have, you know, multitudes of families, layers that are in insurance. Mm-hmm. That is not the case with me. You know, I always joke, I don't know that a lot of people that don't know insurance when they're little, they like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an insurance agent. It's not always, you know, the top three, but um, my, so I, after I graduated from Auburn, I stayed and got my MBA which I'm thankful that mm-hmm. I did, but it kind of, when I graduated, I was kind of in a quandary because I was overqualified academically for entry-level positions, mm-hmm. underqualified experience-wise for management positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found my way into sales, and I originally sold Price Fister faucets, okay. um, and I called on Home Depots and got them to 
you know, do special buys of our Price Fister faucets and did that for a few months and then got the opportunity to go into financial services. So I was a broker with Smith Barney, was Solomon Smith Barney at the time, but in Atlanta in one of the Buckhead offices. And that's kind of ultimately what led me here. So I did that for a few years and then got hired by State Farm Corporate to help agents sell, market and sell our mutual fund products because we rolled out a mutual fund portfolio about that same time of 2000, 2001. And for a lot of long-term agents, it was really like a paradigm shift because insurance is all about protecting clients from risk. That's what Mm -hmm. insurance is. But investing is about taking on measured risks that meet your risk tolerance. And so that was difficult for for agents to have those conversations with clients. But State Farm was wise and knew that, you know, we have clients that are very, very, very affluent and we have clients that are not. But you know, middle America is kind of our bread and butter, and that's a fairly underserved community in the financial services industry. So they knew our agents could help our clients. So anyway, so I came to work for State Farm in that role and did that for a couple of years. I just really missed being personally responsible for my successes like I was as a broker. So knew I wanted to, and I, you know, visited with these agents and saw what they did. And I thought, you know what, I think I can do that. And um, got the opportunity, had decided... We wanted to do agency and pick, I guess I love to pick five. Like I picked five cities that uh-huh. we wanted to live because, you know, when you plant your agency, you're, you're saying, this is where I'm going to live, work, retire. And sometimes you don't retire. So die, you yeah. know, ultimately in this town. So Auburn was our number one and we were really pleased to get to come here. So yeah. it takes a team, you know, leaving the corporate side to come in and start your own business um, requires a lot of hard work in the beginning and as you as you grow, you can surround yourself with a with a pretty solid team. What do you look for in an employee in this type of business when you're looking to hire someone? Oh, that is the million dollar question because that's my most challenging part of what I do every day is managing my team. Um, mm-hmm. As the business has gotten more successful and the team has grown, that's taken up a bigger and bigger chunk of my day. But mm-hmm. we've been able to uh, differentiate. Two main things that we do as far as skill sets. So we have more customer service oriented team members and then those that are more sales oriented. Mm-hmm. And although there's some core competencies that I want to see on both, there are differences. So for a customer service person, um, when it comes with insurance, detail is probably the biggest thing. There are so many moving parts that people very much take for, and for grain it's not the right term necessarily, but they just don't even realize all the moving parts that go into an insurance contract mm-hmm. that our customer service team has to, you know, navigate through. So detail oriented would be that kind of outside core competency. And then on the sales side, it's being able to connect relationally with people. A lot of times when I interview salespeople, I'll say, well, why do you think you're going to be a good salesperson? Or what makes you a good salesperson? They always say, I'm a people person. I can talk to anyone. And in my mind, I hear well, that's okay, but an actually a really good salesperson is a better listener to me than a talker. Being able to talk to anyone doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the most successful salesperson, but um, outside of that, just to be a good team member, we want someone who's honest and ethical, obviously, but um, a quick learner because we're pretty fast-paced and we are pretty patient to teach you something once, once, twice, but the third or fourth or fifth time uh, is when sometimes we get a little pushback from the rest of the team having to work with someone. So being a fast learner... And just really being a team because 
every single one of us will do every single other person's job at any given time and yeah. happily and gladly because we know that person's going to do that for us. So. Yeah. So you've been here since you've been in Auburn since 2004. It's been the hardest thing in we talked about, you know, managing the team, but what's what's been the hardest thing from the, from the business owner side um, in running in running the business? So. Oh goodness, uh, financially, probably as I've never met a marketing something I didn't love uh, mm-hmm. since my undergraduate was in public relations. I think I'm so drawn to that. So financially, mm-hmm. sometimes I bite off more than I can chew when it comes to to marketing mm-hmm. and advertising, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even knowing it's probably just not being an Auburn person. I mean, Auburn is ever changing and it's constantly, there's more and more people from outside moving in, but Mm -hmm. you know, you still drive around and see those OFA stickers on people's cars. Um, and I was not that, you know, I, I, I loved Auburn, but my love started in 1993 when I came as a freshman on campus. So, Mm -hmm. um, although I had some good connections, they're not lifelong, my parents aren't from here and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So maybe initially that was a little bit challenging, but I don't, I don't think I knew that at the time. I think yeah. it took some distance to realize, you know, I broke into something that might've been a, a more challenging and I just didn't even know to think that I was overcoming something, but you know, a few years and I don't know if it was five years or 10 years into the business. I remember somebody saying, Oh, you're from here. Right. And I was like, Oh no, I'm from Tennessee. And they're like, Oh, I just thought you were from here, yeah. which said something, you know. Yeah. So I, I, you I was like, well, maybe I've been successful in yeah, that part. You're doing of it. something right, yeah. What principles have, have helped you personally um, that you've kind of brought over into running the business? Um, well, um, I've, I, we are, you know, Christian faith in our home. Mm-hmm. So um, I try to bring that over. I some days do it more successfully than others. Not, not in, actions but being very intentional and it being obvious like I think it's always underlying but maybe that being as obvious as it would so I think that um you know the golden rule uh, uh, we try to kind of apply that if it's interactions with each other interactions Mm -hmm. with clients um and I I will say many times my ultimate goal and ultimate's kind of a stretch but is to be able to sleep well at night Mm -hmm. I you know I joke I like I like my sleep and so I need to know that I've made those right decisions and done the right things for my clients and for my team and for my company, mm-hmm. and for my community. And if I, and, and we all make mistakes, but if, if I'm ultimately even sometimes making those hard decisions, I, I sleep really well at night and I like to sleep like a baby. So, yeah, yeah I think that's important. I mean, a lot of people want to want to start their business and just go 100 miles an hour and they don't think about, you know, everything that kind of what what's going to be effective whether it's the community or the team or the family um and if they if they just slow down and you know really try to do things the right way number one just because that's the right thing to do right but you know that's a good point it's like you know laying your head down at night and and you know getting a good night's sleep mm-hmm. knowing that you've done your very best and you know mm-hmm. rinse and repeat the next day right. it's a it's kind of a, a justification and validation for for working so hard and right right for building your business for your family and you know sometimes you're having that's not always taking and many times it's not the path of least resistance it's not always doing the easiest thing to 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 get to that point at the end of the night you know a lot of times it's it's the more challenging one but i know it's the right thing to do so you do it yeah going back to the business for just a little bit um we're in a we're in a 
a relatively new spot here. Mm-hmm. What uh, What's next? Huh. Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, when you get your contract to be a State Farm agent, um, you, you do it for the long haul. You know, mm-hmm. you really do it with the intention of leaving in a casket one day and hopefully that's down, down, down the road. Um, so I don't know. I, I do think the insurance is evolving pretty rapidly right now. So what being a State Farm agent is going to be 20 years from now may be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a scary, obviously a scary concept, but exciting. And just because it's scary doesn't mean you put your, can't put your head in the sand and not um, be ready for it. But yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, I want to be able to, and it's this has allowed me to do this up to this point to a certain extent, but even more so, this will always be the place I come to work, but but this is not going to be my sole identity. So, I you know, I don't know if it's, you know, doing something more civically um, in addition to it. I don't, I don't know if it's other businesses. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of the exciting part. Yeah. Um, for sure. So. Yeah, we talked about some uh, civic duties, and you know, but you're heavily involved um, in uh, in the school systems here. Um, talk a little bit about that, uh, if you don't mind. Oh no, I I um so I have two little boys that are one that's leaving third grade going into fourth, and the other one that's going into um, sixth grade. So. That's one of the things I've loved about being, um, especially a female business owner with this business, is I have been able to not feel like I've missed out on being able to be in their school and being able to be mm-hmm. active. Um, because, and, and my mother said this to me once we had children, she said, you know, first of all, you've got to be able to be comfortable. If you're going to work, you have to be comfortable with where they are. Um, so if that's it with the babysitter or the nanny or daycare or with school, and, you know, they, they're going to grow up. So mm-hmm. I am very future-minded, like always looking towards the future. I don't mean to be. That's just kind of the way I'm wired. But I, when it comes to them, I kind of have to stop and enjoy the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, even sometimes when the present's not so much fun, you know, um, the day-by-day can be challenging. But yeah. um, so anyway, being in, happy and involved in the schools through the PTO has just always been important um, to me. And I've... I've been glad to do it because I'm not necessarily going to be able to be the room mom that's there helping all the time uh, because I've got to be here but I can still be active and involved and I've kind of happened and fallen into either you know in a leadership role which has been nice or specifically fundraising so I'm able to help them in a skill set that I've had some success in so yeah it's always it's always fun to give back Mm-hmm. And, uh, and especially with the school systems, you know, being able to support what they're doing. And, you know, the the city of Auburn is incredible and, and they fund as much as they can. But, you know, it, it really I mean, public schools, public school system really relies on on the backs of the parents. And a lot of people don't realize that. Oh. And um, not just, you know, not not only financially, but physically. Oh, right. Um, and it's it's fun to see the, the level of involvement that, that people are having here in the city. It is, it is, and it's just, um, you know, I never in a million years thought that I missed a calling to be an educator, educator, because I think, wow, that would not be uh, enjoyable for me uh-huh. to do that all the time. But um, these people that do it, they just love on our kids, and mm-hmm. so um, that's the very least we can do is try to give back just a little bit. Yeah, it, yeah. We're, we're definitely blessed.
What what drives you to get up every morning and come to work? Um, you know that again, it's a great question, and I I guess it depends on the day. Uh-huh. Um, and there's probably a lot of layers of things. So, um, but here one of the main things is I really really enjoy the folks I work with. So probably the very first thing is you're just happy or looking forward to seeing the team. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in a little bit of a team transition. Yeah. I um, actually have someone whose last day was yesterday because he's going into the ministry. I, I count, I think he's like the sixth or seventh person that I've had as a team member that's either actively currently with me and doing something in the ministry or left me to go mm-hmm. to the ministry. So I said, you know, if there's anything, that's probably a, um, you know, God and then Kathy that, you know, yeah. he lets me know where I fall. Yeah. Um, but if they're going to leave me, the ministry would be a good place to go. But yep. um, with this transition, I, I kind of, I took a minute and I said, you know, I'm working really, really challenged, really, really hard right now. We're in a challenging time to bring in these new people because it's pulling on all of us to get the new folks up and running. Mm-hmm. And so I did kind of a gut check. I was like, you know, I have a healthy family. I have a you know wonderful marriage, a great business. Maybe I can just slow down. Why do I? Why do I always have to be the best or always have to be at or near the top? Mm-hmm. Maybe I can just coast. There are a lot of State Farm agents that that work hard, build their business, and then I mean to coast, and that sounds like a negative, but just kind of take their foot off the gas and, and take their effort or their interests elsewhere. Yeah. But I just said, that's not me. I mean, you know, I'm not, I like, I don't have to be the best. I mean, everybody likes to be the best, but mm-hmm. I have to be what I feel successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that drive that's just innate, even if I try to turn it off, it doesn't work. It doesn't go away. Um, it's probably what gets me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's, that's the definition of the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you always, thinking of some what what can you do better in the mm-hmm. business or what aspect can I bring to the business or even what other thing can I do just to you know add value to the business or to my current customers right. it's you know your wheels are always turning there's no way to turn it off I know I've, I've tried and I can't do it I know we were actually just talking about this morning and the biggest thing is that you know I do like to sleep at night I if I have to if something wakes me up in the middle of the night if it's a child or a sound or whatever I really try so hard because if my mind engages it is hard to turn it off so like Mm -hmm. if i trust i sleep well and i just try to not let it engage because the second it does i've got to do something to get it to where i can go back to sleep yeah well there is in business and entrepreneurship and uh, in life there is this word failure Mm -hmm. that a lot of people attach a very negative stigma to what do you think about the word failure and how do you how do you deal with it um I mean, I would not say it's a po- a happy word that I mm-hmm. that I like. I think it's a challenging word for me because my DNA is if I'm not going to be the best at something, I don't like to do it. Not you know, I don't want to play in your sandbox, but I just like to focus my efforts on the things that I'm going to be successful at. I, I have seen as I mature the fact that I'm more conscious of that, trying to not just automatically navigate away from those. Things. So I'm not, I won't say I see failure as an opportunity to, um, you know, make myself better, but I'm trying to not run from it, maybe mm-hmm. like I did um, when I was younger and try to, I mean, obviously I think I always learned from it, but try to um, not let it just automatically shut me down, but figure out how do I can, how that can kind of invigorate me a little bit or try to make myself better. We talked a little bit about customer service in the beginning. Um, and in the insurance world, I know that that's like number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are either going through a, a life crisis or maybe they're preparing for their 
for the end of life and they're looking for life insurance. There's so many different options. Um, what are some skills that you've learned throughout the years in, in dealing with a customer that, that you know, is, is angry or upset, feel like they've been wronged or that they didn't get what they were told they were going to get? Yeah, that's, um, of course, they're never mad at us. Just we, we don't have them mad often, but they do. They are sometimes unhappy, and sometimes it's, you know, if it's an error we made or if it's just something that didn't go the way that they wanted. You know, if it's something that we've done wrong, the first thing we do is acknowledge and admit and then try to correct um, rather than cover up or um, deflect, but just kind of try to hit that head on. But many times when folks are upset, it's not necessarily something that, that we can control while that, why they are upset. Mm-hmm. And so one of the biggest things I've learned is there's people want to be heard. So rather than immediately hitting them with excuses or you know, just letting them actually know that you're hearing why they're upset and that you understand that that would be upsetting, it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. This is not a business where I can say the customer's always right. You know, I'm going to make it right because there are times contractually it, it, things can only go a certain way yeah. and I can only influence or con- control certain parts of it. But, mm-hmm. um, but many times I feel like if they have acknowledgement that they've been heard and that you understand why they're feeling that way, then that kind of diffuses them enough to discuss, okay, so here are the available options mm-hmm. and which way would, would be the best way for us to proceed to get you as happy as I can make you within the parameters I've been given. So, Yeah, the customer's not always, customer's not always right, and we, but you try to, to treat them in a way that makes them feel like they are they are right or they're at least being heard. I think that's very important, mm-hmm. customer service. And that's the lifeblood of your business. It is. I mean, if you don't have a customer, you don't have a business. That's and, true. You know, sometimes it's hard to see that in the moment when they're like screaming at you mm-hmm. or, you know, they're just upset about something. Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. And then you throw social media into it. As a business owner, that's just the worst part because that anonymity that people have behind their computers allows them to put things out there that many times are um, only partially true or partially being able being presented half of the story Um, and so it's it's a challenge as a business owner to say okay what is the right thing to do I don't want to get just purely defensive but I don't want someone that doesn't know me to read this and and not hear the not recognize both sides of it so I mean yeah when it's one thing when they're on the phone or face to face that's I, I would prefer that to, to behind a computer. That's really challenging. Yeah. And you have to make sure not to take it personally. Right. And you, because as a business owner, I mean, your business is, is your life. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that's negative, you, you take on personally mm-hmm. and being able to separate that is, is a challenge. Oh yeah. And, and you know what? And I think maybe it's okay to take it personally. I mean, in my business, Kathy Powell State Farm, the first two words are Kathy Powell, which yeah. is who I am. So, um, I, I mean, maybe that's why part of the success is this is me, you know, mm-hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly, this is me. But when something is out there, that's it, it's like a child. When somebody says something that's yeah. incorrect about one of your team members or something that happened, that mama bear part of you comes out. And that's, I think, the biggest thing is you can't let mama bear be the one that's out there. Um, and sometimes that... You have to be measured, you know, and how you address it. But you do still, you were like, this is not true, you know. But that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, We talked a little bit about, 
you know, what drives you and, you know, the way that you want your business to be run, but what are some things that you do to inspire you? Do you read any books, listen to podcasts? Um, are you involved in any mastermind? You know, what, what are some of the things that you do to inspire you? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, um, I do have a, like a study group of fellow agents that mm-hmm. it's nice to work with because, um, although with State Farm, there's 19,000 State Farm agents across you know, the U.S. US and Canada, so it is a great community, but this is a very kind of, um, you get kind of feel like you're on an island, you know, because mm-hmm. there's only one Kathy Powell State Farm, although there's lots of State Farms. So mm-hmm. um, just in the past few years, I've participated in a study group, and that's helped bridge that um, mm-hmm. feeling of kind of being isolated or alone on the on that side. And then a, kind of a business coach that I work with that helps me run the business. But, um, you know, personally, I typically... Um, I love podcasts. I love mm-hmm. them, but it's mostly for entertaining purposes. Um, I, I hear all these, my friends, or, or I'll talk with people, and they do all this stuff like it self-help and betters them, and it always is like, oh, geez, I, should, I know I need to do that, but uh-huh. it's just so nice to kind of break away and get entertained. So yeah. typically it's books and podcasts are, my, are an entertainment avenue, yeah. or what gets me out of bed to go work out, because I'd rather be sleeping. So. Yeah. <laughs> What's some advice um, to somebody that you would give just starting out in the in the insurance industry? Um, well, I would say if someone's looking to break into it, the best advice I could give them is get your licenses. Um, that the in order to sell property and casualty and life and health insurance is two separate state licenses, mm-hmm. and the tests are not give me tests. I mean, you have to study, and there's um, you know a, lot, a pretty big fail ratio. I mean, they're mm-hmm. passable, but if you want to break into this, if you walk into an office with those licenses already in hand, you are much, much, much ahead of a lot of the other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, several in this transition, several of the team members that I had placed offers to uh, to come work with us didn't pass the licensing test, so they, mm-hmm. they couldn't, you know. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you have that. Outside of that, if you actually want to run your own agency one day, then I would tell you to go work for a successful agent yeah. um, and learn when you're not having to be the one responsible for paying all the bills, um, you know, that's a nice place to be. I um, necess- didn't necessarily do that. So when mm-hmm. I opened Kathy Powell State Farm, I'd never written an auto insurance policy in my life. We did it and got through it. But I think if you had had that as a background, that would make the transition a little bit easier for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important just to learn from others and, you know, get your hand. I think a lot of people coming out of college, they just want to, you know, get that big job. And, you know, when I graduated college, everybody wanted experience. Everybody wants experience. And, you know, having the opportunity to do an internship or something like that is, I think, a lot of people kind of overlooked that. And mm-hmm. that's just hands-on learning is the best way to learn. Definitely. Um, especially in a business like this or, or in any kind of service industry business. And, you know, it's who you know that makes the world go round. So those connections from a current employer, if it's an intern or whatever, they might be able to open the door so you're more than just a resume for that next real job that you go and kind of help get you a leg up or whatever. Yeah, that's important. That's a good point. Well, I've got one last question for you. Um, And this is is a a deep one. But as as you're looking at at the end of your life and you're looking back on the agency you're looking back on your family and the community what do you want them to remember you by and what does that legacy look like at the end yeah that is such such a question um 
Well, I mean, utmost, obviously, my family is the number one priority. So, you know, that we've had many memories and that mm-hmm. they're successful. Um, boys grow into successful men and fathers and, you know, I get to be a grandparent and all that. So, you know, familial is just the, the same wish I think that most parents have. But um, as a community or as a business owner, I mean, I think I want to feel like Auburn is a better place because I was here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, renamed to Kathy Powell Town, although yeah. that will be on the ballot in 2019. <laughs> um, but that it's, um, you know, that I was able to influence and better it, you know, globally within the the Auburn and Lee County area. That, but um, even a step back from that, in those first days when I did not have enough money to pay anything, but mm-hmm. always obviously were able to pay the team, um, and looked at each paycheck and wanted to throw up because they were trying to figure out how I was going to do everything. Um, we weren't making money, we weren't, but I knew I was supporting, at that point it was four families, and now it's, you know, 12 families that I'm, and mm-hmm. by the time I retire, you know, it'll hopefully be more than that, so um, to be able to be a financial and just positive influence on the team that I work with every day is, you know, pretty pretty nice legacy as well, so. Yeah. Well, Kathy, it's been it's been awesome sitting down with you this, this morning, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you very much for asking me. It's an honor. Hey, this is your host, Tony Oravet of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this past episode. It would mean the world to me if you would go and rate this podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. Show notes and information on today's guest are on leadershiplegacy.show. 